welcome to the Dear Loves Just Breathe podcast with me, Elisa Lindstrom. I'm here to help you to clutter your home in an easy and authentic way so you can have less clutter in your home and your life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Um, today, we have a very special guest, Melissa Matson from Soulfire Coaching. Um, she is a coach for recovering people pleasers, which I personally think is awesome as a recovering people pleaser. Um, if you have heard other podcasts from me earlier, there was a live that she and I did on Instagram that then I made into a, a podcast. Um, it's like one of the first episodes that I shared on this, uh, podcast channel. And I loved it so much. I wanted to bring her back on so she could talk more about what she does and how she can help you. Welcome, Melissa. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. We had such a good conversation the first time. We did. We really did. So do you want to um, explain your story and how you got to become a coach in the first place and then um, how you help people? Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> the big long story, of course, starts like way back when I was a kid and I picked up my people pleasing. That one, that part predominantly came from my mom, um, who is my best friend and I love her dearly. I had a good childhood, but my mom is a people pleaser and she loves deeply and fiercely um, but she loves by sacrifice. She loves by doing everything she can, taking away people's struggles and problems and taking them on on her own. And so I learned that that was how you love. And so those were, that was kind of the root of where a lot of things started for me. But the, the, the switch that flipped, <laughs> I always get that wrong. The switch that flipped for me was when I was working as a registered massage therapist. So you go through college for massage therapy here in Canada. It's a three-year program and you learn therapeutic relationships and dealing with your clients. So they teach you a bit about how to create space and how to distance yourself, like how to care about your clients, but from a distance and staying safe. And I realized that I wasn't doing that in my own personal life. Um, but the biggest thing for me was that as I started to get into treating patients, I was having a lot of people coming in with these symptoms, these body symptoms, like having trouble sleeping, tenseness, shoulders up by their ears, like general um, overwhelm and muscular tension. And I can fix those as a massage therapist. But what started happening was when I started talking to those patients, I was realizing that the root of these physical struggles was coming from nervous system dysregulation predominantly from people pleasing, like lack of boundaries and showing up in ways that they, they couldn't anymore. Um, you've probably heard the phrase a million times, like pouring from an empty cup. And so here in Canada with massage therapy, your scope ends at the physical body. We are not to help in like a mental health capacity. It, it's not in our scope. And I realized that I didn't want to keep putting band-aids on these physical symptoms when the roots were still there for people like I was making people feel good and I was helping their bodies get better but when they were continuing to have these dysregulated nervous systems and people pleasing tendencies those symptoms were always going to come back and so that's what made me realize I wanted to be a coach and come out into this this side of things is I wanted to attack the root and allow people to feel better instead of just slapping band-aids on these physical symptoms that were presenting from something much deeper. So that's kind of the quick and dirty of it. I was a people pleaser my whole life. I made a lot of changes in my own life, but what made me want to be a coach was seeing these, these problems showing up in so many other people and knowing that there was a deeper root to them uh, and that I wanted to be a part of that solution. That's really cool. 
That's really, really cool. So do you want to talk about what, um, what you do when you help people, like how people come to you and how, yeah, (laughs) and how they help you and how you help, not how they help you, how you help them. (laughs) I mean, they do. That's kind of the beauty of coaching too, is like, you're always, it's funny. I just said this on another podcast recently, but like, there's no healed. Duh. So like when I'm working with people, like I'm still consistently on my own journey too. Like it, it, it's not, you don't reach an end. It's not like, okay, you hit this point and you've learned all of the things there is to learn and you're healed. But so anyways, the way that I work with people is I start from a foundation from like the, the bottom up. Um, so I work with not just boundaries, which is the part, especially when I'm dealing with people who are coming in and they're like, I know I'm a people pleaser. I know I want to recover. I know I want to get better at this. They're really heavily focused on boundaries. Like how do I set boundaries? What do I say? What do I do? And while that is obviously very important, the the reason that there's a lack of boundaries or the reason that people are struggling with boundaries tends to come from a root of not knowing what it is that they want for themselves, not knowing what it is that they stand for, not knowing what their needs are or how to have them met. Because especially as people pleasers, we've put our needs on the back burner for so long that you can become really disconnected from what you even need to feel seen and supported in your own life because you tend to identify as the helper. You don't think about what you need. You're like, I help other people. I'm the strong one. I'm the supportive one or can go the other way. I'm the successful one. I'm the one who's always doing things, always being productive. And so there's not needs behind that. You've just formed an identity that you kind of like try to fit into a box for. So we start, when I start working with people, we start with that. We start with what it is that like you value, what you need, how to show up for yourself, how to rewire your inner monologue. Most people pleasers come forward. If they've worked on it themselves a little bit, that's great. But a lot of people pleasers come to me with a horrendous inner monologue. And I'm guilty of that too. My inner monologue used to be just brutal. So that those are the places that we start. Each person is obviously different. And so it kind of like one section might not need a, need a lot more work than another and things like that. And everybody's roots are different. The family they grew up in, the influences that they have and the the parts of their life where they formed these beliefs that are holding them in this, this people-pleasing identity. Um, but we always start from a bottom up or like an inside out approach. Boundaries themselves, like the script and the words to say and all of that are actually one of the last things that I address because once you have once you have that foundation, then you can start setting and holding really strong boundaries. But without the foundation, the boundaries can be a little bit shaky and it can be hard to figure out what boundaries you even need to set when you don't know what it is that makes you feel seen and safe. So right. again, it's almost like you condensed. need to like find your authentic self and exactly. your voice before you can speak. You need to find your voice. That's exactly it. And so many people, when you talk to them and you're like, why do you want to stop people pleasing? Yes, some of the answers are the burnout, the overwhelm, but almost unanimously, it's people saying exactly that, that they want to feel like themselves. They want to live a life that feels authentic to them. And people pleasing can't give you that. You can't make everyone happy and be yourself. It it doesn't right. work like that. Right. Um, this is totally an aside, but I was thinking about um, people pleasing and kindness and the confusion between the two. Um, you know how people think, oh, if I'm helping everyone, I'm being kind and they don't realize that 
it's totally different than, I don't know how I got into this into my head when you were talking about that, but I was like thinking about people pleasing and, um, you know, when you're kind to people and you create boundaries with, with Mm -hmm. people, you're actually being kind to everyone and you're not people pleasing and that's okay. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't say that all very well, but (laughs) no, you did though. You did. It was great. And that's, that's one of the biggest things is learning the difference between being nice and being kind. And like you said, like being kind involves setting boundaries and involves saying no to some people. It involves realizing where you may have been enabling behavior or where you may have been putting yourself on the back burner and you need to be kind to yourself and say no. Whereas being nice is exactly like you said, it's it's placating people. It's showing up all the time for everybody because you want to be a nice person. And my goal now in life is to be kind, not to necessarily always be nice. Now you doesn't, it doesn't mean be disrespectful. It doesn't mean go out and be like, you know, share your opinion. Some people, one of my biggest pet peeves is that, that conflation between like, oh, I'm just being brutally honest. Like, no, you're being a dick. And like, there's not, there's, there's kind ways to say (laughs) no. And so you don't have to necessarily swing to the other side of the pendulum and be completely rude and mean and crass, but you do have to learn that it is kind sometimes to say no, or to tell people that what they're asking for isn't in either of your best interest. There's kindness in that. Versus being nice and just placating everybody all of the time. Right. Right. Yeah. I love that point. I'm glad you brought it up. What are some signs of people pleasers? Because sometimes you and I am one of these people live your life not knowing that you're a people pleaser. And yeah, the whole nice, kind thing. Yeah, you do say nice a lot. Oh, I'm just being nice. And like, you're trying to be nice all the time. But what are some other, I don't want to say red flags, but flags. So you know, like, maybe you have no idea that you're a people pleaser. What are some things to look out for that might be signs that you're a people pleaser? For sure. One, a big one is transactionality in relationships. So when you're doing something because you're expecting not necessarily something in return in the form of a favor, but like I did this, so I should receive, you know, X amount of this part, like their behavior should change. They should be happier because I took care of this. Like they should feel this way because I managed this for them. And it's not because you're like, I deserve xyz from this it's because your desire to help is coming from a desire to mitigate or control the circumstances around you or the reactions of people around you so that's a big one like if you're saying yes to something because you're trying to like i said yes to this because i thought this person would be happier or experience this or it would change this situation versus i said yes to this because i genuinely wanted to either be a part of the situation or I care for this person. And so I did this because I love them versus because I want them to feel a certain way. So when you're noticing that there's that transactionality and you're doing things with an expectation of a result, um, that can be a sign of people pleasing as opposed to doing things because they align with your values and what you want to bring into your life or what you don't want to bring into your life. If you're having consistent overwhelm and you find yourself using the words like have to quite a lot, like, well, I have to, I'm overwhelmed and I'm burnt out, but I have to do X, Y, Z. That can be another sign of people pleasing. There are certain things that we have to do, you know, like for me, I'm just going to use an example that, that were in my life, but like, I, I live about five hours from home from where my family is. Have to go home because somebody 
is having a birthday dinner that I can't possibly miss because I'm afraid of the reaction is not necessarily a have to. That's a choice. You can choose to go to that or not go to that. But a have to might be if it was a funeral that you needed to go to, a wedding that you needed to go to, or, you know, it was the birthday dinner, but of your very best friend that you can't possibly miss. So when you're finding half, everything is a have to, that's a good sign of people pleasing because you don't have to, you don't have to be at every luncheon, every birthday dinner, every single event. And I'm just using events as a, as an example, but that can come through and like, well, I have to pick this up, this person up from work. And then I have to go get this person from the airport. And then I have to listen to this person when they tell me all of their problems. And it's like, you don't have to do any of those things. You're either doing them because you're trying to mitigate, like you're trying to control that person's emotional response, which sounds really manipulative. But all I mean is that you're seeing that they're in an unhealthy or an unhappy place and you're taking on the responsibility to make them happy. Not that you're intentionally manipulating them or you fear the response. Like I have to pick them up from work or else they're going to be angry. And it's like, or maybe they'll just call an Uber. Like you're not the only thing going on in the world. You don't right. have to pick them up for work from work. You can say no and they can call an Uber. They can call another friend. Like they have other options. So when you're seeing things in black and white that way, that can be a good sign. And then the last one, because I did see, I see that you have something to say there, but I just want to get this out. The last <laughs> one is when you when you find yourself equating the more that you um, can take on or the more that you suffer as a form of displaying affection. And I always bring up that, you know, that offspring song, um, the more you suffer, the more it shows you really care. That's like the people pleasing anthem. And you're like, no, I give and I give and I give. And that makes me caring and loving. And it's like, no, you can be caring and loving without bleeding yourself dry for everybody in your life. So if you're, if you're finding those three things, like a transactionality, if you wear a badge of honor for how much you can suffer, and if you see a lot of have tos and not a lot of choice in your life, those are three big ones to watch for that. You're probably people pleasing. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for for spelling all of that out. Um, so one thing that I was thinking about when you brought this up and you actually said it twice in for two different examples was this need to control, which I think when I was working through my own stuff, I was really surprised that some of it was coming from a need to control, but not in a narcissistic need to control way. But if you are in a world where there are a lot of narcissists in your life, and then you're like, oh my God, I'm trying to control. Am I a narcissist? You're not a narcissist. You're just, it's, it's the only way you know how to do like relate in the world is by mm. controlling in some way um, something because you might feel like, none of your life is under control. Would, yeah. would you, what do you think about that? A hundred percent. A ton of people pleasing is based in control. And from, like you said, the one you said, where like you may have grown up in a, in a place where there wasn't, like you were maybe surrounded by narcissists, you maybe had things like that going on. And so control is what you learned. And then the other thing is control is a form of seeking safety. If you grew up somewhere, and this also applies to narcissists, but if you grew up somewhere where, things were unpredictable or unsafe, learning to mitigate those responses around you, learning to control the circumstances around you as much as possible was how you kept yourself safe. So like you said, it's not control, like I'm controlling this person's reactions because I want to control them. It's if I can help control this person's reactions, I can keep myself 
and, and my world safe and balanced. If I can stop this person from being either angry or sad or hurting or struggling, I can preserve this sense of safety. Um, and then, like you said, the other one too, is I've been demonstrated con control by being raised in a situation, maybe with narcissists or with people who were just really, really strict. Maybe that's how they were raised, wherever it came from. You have that demonstration of control as being the only way to lead, like to lead life and to interact with other people. And so, like you said, you're not a narcissist. You're not intentionally controlling from a place of wanting to control others. It's just all, you know, within relationships. Even right. with myself, I was raised by somebody who was highly sensitive um, and she wanted to take away everyone else's pain. So I learned that love was controlling people's pain, was taking it away from them. It wasn't from a narcissistic place. It was from a place of, I care for you by managing your reactions and making sure you never feel X, Y, Z, sad, angry, hurt. It's all control at its root. Right. Right. And then one of the things you said, like the, also the idea of people who maybe people who grew up, not maybe, but people who grew up in chaotic homes also might have their way of creating safety was by control and, but not in a narcissistic way, but in a very like people pleasing slash codependent way of this is how I show love and help and protect everyone is by taking care of everyone and taking care of everything, which then hides who I am, or I have to then muffle who I am in order to save or whatever, whatever the thinking is behind that. So yeah, that's, that's, thank you for all of that, for explaining all of that. Um, what are you working on right now? What are you, what, um, what are your projects? What are the, how are the, how are you helping people? How are the different ways you're helping people? Awesome. So, yeah. So the big one obviously is social media. I'm on several different social media outlets and I'm trying to put out as much like bite-sized information as I can, because the more people that, you know, similar to what you're doing here with the podcast, the more people that can hear this information and either identify themselves in it and be like, oh shit, I'm a people pleaser. I can make changes or who already knew they were a people pleaser and need next steps. So I'm trying to put out as much bite-sized information as I can via social media, stuff like that. Where I'm pouring my own personal heart and soul right now is into uh, a private community that I've recently built. And this is so that it's a community of recovering people pleasers. Because when you are recovering from people pleasing, it can feel really lonely at first, um, especially when you're just starting to like set boundaries and change the way like bring forward the needs that you've never expressed before and change the way that you are tolerating being treated or the things that you're inviting into your life it can start to change the dynamics that you have with the people in your life and most of the people in your life want to love you and they want to be there and they want to meet your needs when you start expressing them but sometimes there's that adjustment period and so a community was really important to me because now all of these people who might be experiencing some loneliness along this path have this resource and this wealth of other people who are experiencing the same thing and then it doesn't feel so lonely so even when you're going through growing periods with the people who might be right in your physical surroundings there's somewhere that you can go and have people to lean on that are going through the same thing and it 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 allows you to be stronger in your convictions with your boundaries when you aren't feeling completely alone in that transformation it's also a place where I can go and become more intimate with those people. So social media, as most people know, reels are 90, you get 90 seconds. That's it. 
And it's really hard to explain concepts like what we're talking about now in 90 seconds when you also have to include like a little bit of who you are and a hook to grab people's attention and all of the other things that social media requires. Um, whereas within this community, I can now do, I can pop in and I can talk for half an hour with specific people who are there with me live and dive into topics and create clarity and learn more about people. Like when I do a reel and a thousand people watch it, each of those thousand people is, is a different person with a different story and different things going on in their life. And I have to do my best to get out pertinent information that is at least semi-relevant to all of them. But when I'm in a community and there's maybe 10 people on the live that day, each person gets, you know, we can share a little bit, we can talk a little bit, we can actually dive into the other human who's on the other side of this conversation. So it creates a lot more intimacy and safety. And especially with people pleasing, that's one of the biggest things is feeling safe and connected while we go through a transition into our most authentic selves. So that's that's where I'm I'm kind of pouring my heart and soul right now. I do have a program. I do have, you know, something where I work with people one to one and I love that because that's the ultimate level of intimacy. It's really tailored, it's really one to one, but the community is more accessible um and it's it's a wider, it's a broader range, so it's easier I think for people who are just beginning the journey who aren't quite ready for like a deep one to one transformation because that can be a lot like when you're an early early beginner sometimes it's too much to be like, cool, let's take your whole life step-by-step and transform everything. That can be really overwhelming. So the community space was something that I wanted that was going to benefit people who were just beginning and people who were farther along can all be in this community and benefit together. That's so excellent. It's like baby steps for people, but then also just a good family to have when you're, it's almost like, um, in a way it kind of sounds like Montessori, you know, like the Montessori way of like having the younger ones with the older ones. So the older ones can kind of support the younger ones and that sort of energy. That's kind of what I'm getting from that idea. That never crossed my mind. And that's a brilliant, like parallel a hundred percent. Yeah. Just sort of like, it's, it sounds like a really, well, first of all, I know that it's a needed community. So I'm so grateful that you're created, you're creating this, you created this. Um, and it's definitely going to do so much help for so many people. That's yeah, awesome. That's, that's my goal. If I can yeah. fit as many people into this community and help as many people as possible, that's, that's what I want to do. Like this really does. I know, I'm sorry, I have a hiccup there. Um, I know you <laughs> hear this all the time. It's like the, the like catchphrase of like coaches and influencers where it's like, I'm so excited about this, but like, it really does like this specific work just lights me up. And so having a place where as many people as possible can benefit from it was so important to me. Well, I know it's authentic because the last time you and I spoke when we did our live that then turned into a podcast on here um, and we were talking about like this Pollyanna ideas that we had they're not Pollyanna, they can really happen, but these like really, like really wanting to change the world in such a positive way. It's, I know that you're not, um, full of baloney. Let's just say. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. (laughs) That's one thing I'm certainly not. (laughs) Um, is there anything you want, um, to offer, like not offer, but like any, any thoughts or something, some sort of takeaway to offer listeners for today? 
The biggest thing I think is that it can start with you. And I don't just mean like you have to be the one to make the decision to help yourself, which is also true. But I think when people think of, of changing people pleasing, it immediately starts as an outward thing. Like I have to start setting boundaries with other people and cutting this off or changing this in my external world. And it can seem really scary. And really, if you want to start making changes, you can 100% start just within yourself with the things that are less scary. You can start talking to yourself more kindly. Don't say things to yourself that you wouldn't say to somebody that you love because, well, one, you should be somebody you love. That should be the biggest point there. But like when you, you know, if you drop something and you call yourself a name, would you say that to your mom or your little sister or whoever, like picture someone's face, make sure you're not saying anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to them. And boundaries can also start with yourself. You can just set boundaries around what you will and won't tolerate from yourself right now. Are you lacking in taking care of yourself? Are you not eating enough in a day? Like I know these sound, they're the unsexy side of self-care, but these are the little boundaries that you can start with. And by putting your needs first, just with yourself, you can then build up the courage and the confidence to start doing that elsewhere. So don't let it overwhelm you. If you're listening to this and you're resonating and it sounds super scary, start with you. It can all start inside. That's the most important place. Oh my gosh. That is, thank you. That's so, that was so helpful. That was just, yeah. Thank you so much. That was very um, helpful and thoughtful. Um, How, how can people get a hold of you? I will put, um, your a link to your new group in the um in the show notes but is there any other way people can get a hold of you if they want to check you out for sure so uh I'm on three different social media outlets so you can find me on Facebook under Melissa Matson. you can find me on Instagram under Soulfire Coaching um my Facebook does say Soulfire Coaching too just so that you know it's the right person um and then the community which you've mentioned the group there so the social media is oh sorry and I'm on TikTok as well under Soulfire Coaching um the social medias are the big broad place you want quick digestible things they're on there if you're looking for more intimate connection more intimate growth and like more uh in-depth next steps then like you said my community would be the place so my community has all of my master classes that I've hosted they're all available in there it's got lives it's got one-to-one connection and once you are in the membership you are in for life you are good to go so that would be like the next step if you're looking for something deeper if you're looking to actually really get going on this journey highly recommend and invite you into your listeners into the community those would be the places excellent thank you so much for being here melissa thank you for having me thank you for listening to the dear loves just breathe podcast if you love the podcast don't forget to subscribe so you hear the latest each and every week if you want to know more about how you can work with me Check out the show notes to learn more about the 90 day declutter program. And very soon, there will be a group coaching program coming out. So stay tuned for more on that. Have a great day.